Hi, and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast. Giving space to the often unheard questions, doubts, hopes, and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Stephen. And I'm Kathy, and we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead. When we spoke to Zach a few episodes ago, we heard his story of how he was changed through the process of listening to the stories of the youth that he is pastoring. And this episode reflects a family's journey of listening to their child's lived experience. And this listening has fostered a deep empathy and desire to seek understanding. What a gift for Deb and Ellen and their family to let us into their journey in an area which, as we've acknowledged before, can be complex and even divisive for the church today. In thinking about the changes ahead, is it actually as simple as listening to the diversity of stories that are held within our faith communities? And this conversation is an invitation to all of us to hear their heart for relationship and love to be our primary focus. So let's listen in. Well, Deb and Alan, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Changes Ahead podcast today. Thank you. It's bloody good to be here. We're going to hear some of your story and, and some of your journey as a family and some of the things that you've been facing and looking forward to just hearing that. I wonder though, before we jump into the story, would you introduce yourselves a little to to our listeners? Sure. I'm Deb and... Yeah, I'm a mum of three, or my parents, both parents of three, young adults now. I work in education and have been part of the church since I was 17 years old, yeah. And this is Alan. And um, so I've been part of the church for a very similar length of time, actually, since I was 17, 18. Mm. And um, yeah, we met initially in the UK, we got married in the UK in a Baptist church there. And after we'd been married a couple of years, we decided we had to, one of us was going to be away from our family one way or the other. So we had to make the choice to stay in the UK or move to New Zealand. And we moved here, thankfully. And um, yeah, we've been here ever since. Our, our children were all born here. And um, we've been part of a Baptist church here for 25 years. Thank you. Well, will you obviously there's there's lots that could be said uh, about yeah. a, a story of a family. Yeah. So, will you will you share with us some of your story of, of recent times and and let's just yeah hear that and, and have a chat. Okay, so um, we have three young adults now. So our eldest is twenty four, our middle one is twenty two, and our youngest is twenty. So we were all locked in, like everyone, in that lockdown of 2020. And after that, our eldest child, who was born a boy, he came to Alan, actually, and gave Alan a letter. I think he chose Alan because (laughs) Alan's a little bit calmer. And I might have not been quite so easy to have given the letter to because in that letter they told us that they had been diagnosed with gender dysphoria and that they were exploring their identity. Yeah, so Alan received the letter and told me, obviously, Hmm. 
this came quite out of the blue. It wasn't something we had seen coming. It was a surprise. It was, mm. well, it was more than a surprise. <laughs> it was, to be honest, it was a huge shock. And um, they told us they'd already been to the doctor. They'd already been referred to a psychologist um, who had helped them to write the letter. Mm. Suddenly as parents, even though they were an adult, it suddenly felt like we didn't know what had been going on. Yeah. And suddenly... Mm we were faced with this situation. I think I'll ask you to explain how you felt when you received the letter. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Because you're the first person. Um, Yeah, it was, as Deb said, it was a major, major shock. It was not something we saw coming at all. It wasn't on our radar Mm. in the slightest. And, yeah, when I... When I opened the letter and started to read it, yeah, there were so many thoughts that went through my mind. I have to admit, probably most of them were selfish. Most of them were, what are the family going to say? What are our friends going to say? What's the church going to say? How's this going to alter us as a family? What does this look like going forward? All of that kind of stuff was going through my head. Mm. So that was, yeah, those were the initial thoughts that I had, but I could see on the face of my child, yeah, some real fear mm-hmm. that this wasn't going to go well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I knew at that point I had to reassure them that this wasn't going to be the end of our relationship. We weren't going to throw them out. We weren't going to turn our back on them in any way. So, that was the first thing I, thankfully, the first thing I actually said mm. to them was that you're always part of this family. You're safe here. This is a place of safety and we won't turn our back on you. So that was the first thing that I said, thankfully. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And um, when Adeline told me, it, it really was like a, a physical kick to the stomach. Well. It was a physical feeling yeah and again something happened like you felt to to reassure I felt that we should give our child a Panamu necklace that we had Mm. and we did that and they have continued to wear that every day wow Mm. what did that signify for from for for you as parents giving that can you can you unpack that a little bit more that sounds really wonderful mm. it was just something i felt i wanted to do to extend this gift really mm. to say yeah you belong you belong you yeah. haven't lost that yeah. I'm, and that's what i'm hearing I, yeah i'm really struck by the safety that you were able to extend right from the start the gift of that, even with all of the questions, mm. with all of the, you don't quite know what's going on here. And so the gift of mm. that that you gave. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to say that from there it all went really well. <laughs> but um, I'll be honest that yeah. there were lots of questions and lots mm. of conversations and they weren't always calm. Mm. I mean, it was a shock, and I suppose you act out of that, but 
yeah, I, it wasn't always easy. Nevertheless, it, it sort of sat there in the background and, and I guess we kind of hoped it would just go away. Right. Um, Things would go back to what yeah, was familiar. Exactly. Right? And, that, and, and what yeah. you've known. Yes, because it wasn't being brought up again, we thought, well, maybe it's just going away. And of course it hadn't. Our middle son told us that they had seen our eldest presenting online as a woman, so then we were alerted to, okay. However, in around October of that year of 2020, our elders told us that they were putting it all on hold. Um, And we breathed a sigh of relief, I think. But we've recently talked again in preparation for this. We talked with, with them and... They said they put it on hold because it just felt so overwhelming Mm. and they didn't want to upset or damage the family. Mm. So they tried to go back. But it didn't work in the sense that, yeah, they found that that wasn't possible. So they actually got reconnected with um, my sister-in-law, their aunt, and she started taking them out for coffee. And then in May, they rang Alan again. I think there's a theme here. They always go to Alan and asked if my sister-in-law and our elders could meet with you, didn't they? Yeah. And you might like to say what happened in that meeting. (laughs) So, yeah, I went over to my sister-in-law's house and they were there and yeah explained then that yeah the journey hadn't actually stopped so they'd actually carried on the journey and they'd probably gone quite a long way down that journey to the point of taking hormone treatment and yeah even experimenting with yeah dressing as a woman so, yeah, they'd moved quite a long way down the track. So this was, again, quite a shock because from, yeah, from the sort of October time, we'd been thinking it wasn't, everything was on hold and nothing was happening right the way through to the, this was the following May. And, yeah, they'd been carrying on that journey all that time and we'd been kind of blissfully unaware, I guess, and hoping that normality was going to return. Yeah. What was that conversation like? How did that go? You you talked about the shock, obviously. I guess there was a realisation at that point that that it it isn't going to go away. So, you know, we are going to have to deal with this. We're going to have to cope with this, understand this, work with it as as a family. And again, all those other things, all those other thoughts that I had the first time it was raised that I hoped since then I wouldn't have to worry about yep. we would now have to actually address them rather than just hope that they might might never occur they were going to occur so we'd have to get it serious now about mm. working out the issues here mm. yeah mm. so Alan came home and told me so I had another kick to the stomach a lot of confronting thoughts. And I, I guess at that point I was really scared, what's this going to do to the rest of our family? Mm. You know, our other two were involved in, in the church and 
we just didn't know what we, you know how they were going to feel about it and it was a difficult time but I think during that time there were a couple of things that happened for me that helped me one of them was um, I was sitting at our dining table and I was feeling very upset and I was probably going to let let rip and have a real argument and um, I looked up from where I was sitting and I can see down our road and I could see a big truck turn onto the road and as it drove up the road I could see it had big letters written on the side of it and as it got closer I could read those letters and it just said grace Mm. and at that point I felt I had to stop and find grace in this situation. Mm. And I also spent quite a lot of time thinking about in five years' time or ten years' time, what do I want to say about myself, mm. about how how I handled this? And... Um, I decided at that point that I had to place relationship over the issue. Relationship had to sit higher than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, we decided at that point to try and get some help from a counsellor. And we arranged, the counsellor agreed to, it was a Christian counsellor, agreed to mediate And so they met our elders first, and then we all came. The whole family. The whole family came. Right. And our elders expressed their story, told their story, which needed to happen because I don't think at home we could do that. Mm. You needed to hear it. Mm. And during that session... I drew on the whiteboard a line, a number line, one to ten. And I said, okay, I want everyone to mark on there where we are with this journey. One being, I've only just started, and ten being, I'm well underway, you know. Because we knew that we were all in different stages. And we, we were really trying really hard to be, you know, so we could just about squeeze out a, a four, was it? It might have been a six, even. Even a six? Yeah. Oh, well, we were feeling quite, yeah, yeah setting, setting the tone. And the other two boys weren't even at one. Mm. Yeah. And this was really helpful, though, because I think it, it gave a visual representation to our eldest where everyone was. Yeah. And we asked, would you wait for us to catch up. We yeah. promised to do the work, yeah. but will you wait? Mm. And graciously they did. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Feels so honest, doesn't it? Because it's really hard to have the really hard, real conversations. Mm. And in that space, that honesty creates the opportunity to be able to do what the next step is, you know? Yeah. And it's brave. Mm. but very real and honest and And gracious, wasn't it? Which is what you were hoping for, is that you're able to offer it both ways to each other. 
Yes. That is what grace is, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I'm just really thankful that they paused and they thought about us and they allowed us time, which is what we needed. We needed time to process. Yeah, that was really, really important. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about what you were processing in that time? Well, we were processing an awful lot because... Being in church life, there is a sense that this is a no-go area. Mm. I mean, I'd, I'd always, always had my doubts and thoughts and wonders, but nothing had motivated me to really have to think about it deeply. Hmm. Well, this certainly did. Mm. Right. I had yeah. to process this. Yes. We had to process this mm. because... It was outside of what we felt was acceptable, even. Yeah. even mm. though I had my doubts, <laughs> I was confused. Mm. It had always hit me as I don't understand why this is an issue, but it is an issue. And whilst it didn't touch us, we could largely ignore it. Sure. Mm. But not when it's on when you love. Not when it's in your, in your house. Yeah. 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 So. You know, with how you were describing that the physical feeling as mm. well, I had wondered about, you know, the natural fear that we have for yes. the kids too. Absolutely. You know that their life is changing and you know it's about them being true to who they are, but mm. it's there's still fear that comes with that. And I had wondered about that mm. as a parent. Well, that's huge because our eldest is also neurodiverse and mm. so we've already had a journey with that mm. and so we just thought really do we need some other point of difference as well mm. which is you know sorry to say that that was my reaction because I think the world needs all sorts and, it does mm. definitely does but it is hard you worry for them mm. you worry for them yeah. however I have to say that our eldest now identifies as a transgender woman and mm-hmm. has changed uh, her name. Um, that came about end of last year. Yeah. yeah. And then we were much more able to cope with it because we'd had the time to process. Mm. So we knew it was coming and we were ready and we've embraced that. Yeah. And they are happier. Mm. Wow. They are happier. They feel more authentic about who they are now and they are doing well and isn't that what you want for your children to flourish and be who they were made to be i was going to say what does that feel like as a parent you know when you Mm. see them flourishing even though you know it's been Mm. a journey yeah yeah what is what does that feel like well you you hope that means you've done something right you may have done a lot wrong, but I hope you, you hope that you've done something right. Yeah. Mm. So, how has this journey and experience changed you individually and as a family? I think, like speaking personally about change for me, massively. Mm. Yeah, and not just not just in this area of the trends and and you know, the LGBTQ plus community and, and how the church 
thinks about those and and reacts to to that community that's been that's been a catalyst but it has it's kind of forced me to rethink a lot of things about my own faith and about i mean i've you know since the age of 17 i've been i've been a christian and but i've i've had very what might be termed traditional christian views on things pretty conservative views this forced me to to revisit that and rethink my my views and i have to say i've actually found it very liberating mm. to be able to dig into things i'm not i'm not an intellectual so i'm i don't do massive amounts of study but i've i've certainly listened to quite a number of podcasts and yeah tried to read a few books and just to to think about my faith and how possibly i've not had it right all this time and yeah it's led me to a few a few different things as there's, there's things I know that have been mentioned on this on this podcast before about one of them is that every every theology has an adjective and mm-hmm. I I just that was that was just almost life-changing for me when I realized that that my the theology I'd been going by actually had an adjective to it and because <laughs> yeah I just thought it was right and everyone else had an adjective but no I've, I've got an adjective as much as anybody else and um that was a big aha moment for me. And listening to another podcast, one called um, Naheri by Scripture Union, essentially a, about the church's respond to e- response to ecological issues. But there was a great analogy they had in there talking about our journey, our spiritual journey is like going along a braided river. And we can be paddling our waka down our little braid and assuming that this is the whole river and we've got it right and our river is the only river and it's only when you climb out of your waka and you climb up the stones at the side of, of your braid you realize that the river's massive and there's so many different braids to it and they're all going in the same direction they all come from the same source but they're different braids and you know they they ask in there what would cause you to to leave your braid and sometimes these braids come to an end the water disappears from the braid that you're in and you're forced to climb out of your braid and look for another one and yeah i think through this whole experience i've realized that yeah my the water in my braid came to an end and i i was forced to climb out and look at the alternatives so yeah it's often how it does happen it's not something you choose. It's often, you know, like you say, forced on you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's beautiful imagery. How about you, Deborah? Very similar to Alan. We, I remember we, we listened to these podcasts. We actually went down to Queenstown and we're looking at the rivers down there and, yeah, it was just beautiful and um so very similar. We've travelled, we've listened to things similarly and, and talked a lot. But I feel I've been released into a place where I'm more comfortable with uncertainty and grey. Mm. I don't mind grey. <laughs> and I still have a faith. Wow. Yeah. So it feels very expansive and 
there are possibilities now, but it's so new mm. that we're trying to navigate that as well. Yeah. By challenging one thing, it's challenged a number of things. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think it feels natural then to, to consider how, how this experience has changed or impacted your understanding of who God is. I guess you've touched on some of that already, but yeah, mm-hmm. is, there, is there more that, that more specifically around how, how that's changed your understanding of God? He's become way bigger. Absolutely. And so much more inclusive. And I had another thing that happened that really helped me as I journeyed through this was I had a picture one day or a, a, you know something in your mind's eye that you see of church and everyone was worshipping and they had their hands in the air and the music was playing and no one noticed that Jesus walked in through the back door <laughs> and he, he walked in and he went and sat next to our daughter and I suddenly realised that, yeah, Jesus didn't have a problem. Mm. <laughs> um, and that was very, yeah, so God changed for me and became bigger and, yeah, like really exciting. And, and in some ways it's, it's been an energising thing um, with my faith mm. because I can see possibilities, yeah. Yeah, I think I think my view of God was was so limited by my yeah by my non-adjective theology and yeah I think uh, as Deb says it's just yeah it's opened my idea of God being so much bigger than I ever thought he he was yeah and maybe your kids could it because obviously this affects a family. Mm. So for your your other two, um, how's it changed them? Well, as you remember, they were yeah. not even on the the, the continuum, hmm. and they are doing their own journey. But they have definitely moved along. And even at Christmas, I thought it was lovely that both of them bought things that were clothing related for. Hmm. Yeah, for their sister. <laughs> so that's a huge move and shows that love is, again, relationship. Love yes. is, is bigger than the issue. Mm. You know, it's about maintaining relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And even if you're confused and don't fully understand it, you do it because that's the loving and kind thing to do. And that's what builds relationship. Mm. And because of that, I think they're moving along. Yeah, I wonder as you take that step, it creates a space for understanding to grow. You may not have it to start with, but as you act in that way, yes, understanding comes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because you see them. You know, when you get to see a person and you see their story, I always think that you can't not be changed by it. Mm. That yeah. That's the power of seeing somebody is that it changes you yeah and that sounds like i mean that's what we're hearing from the tip from you mm. yeah mm. yeah that's true so this 
this podcast is reflecting on the the changes ahead that are possible for the church. Mm. And so I, I wonder if you would be willing to talk about some of your experience, you know, being churchgoers, you know, people who are members of, of, of a Baptist church. How has your faith community responded to your story? Well, to begin with, I felt I needed answers. Right. And I needed them fast. Mm. And... So I, I approached them. But I quickly realised that actually answers weren't what I needed. Right. Um, what I actually needed and what we needed, I've, I now reflect, is I would have loved the leadership or whomever to sit with us in our discomfort, mm-hmm. in our confusion, not bring answers, mm. but listen and maybe journey with us. Mm. Yeah. So I changed. And to be fair, there was lockdowns and lots of things. But so that didn't happen. But I've realized that's what I needed. And actually, I really, on thinking about this, think that it would be an opportunity for faith communities to dip their toe into this area that they're very afraid of, mostly, unsure what to do, unsure of what might happen, but just sitting alongside, and and there's plenty of people, I'm sure, who are sitting within our churches now who are facing things. And in our case, we'd been a member and served in this church for many, many, many years. Mm. Um, I think it was a missed opportunity myself. Mm. Yeah, I don't say that in a horrible way because there were lots of other things happening. But yeah, I I realise our natural reaction was answers, but that's not actually what we needed. Mm. 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 And that's a powerful message that we've been hearing a lot through our podcast is the power of just sitting with people not trying to make them feel better too soon or or often make ourselves feel better Mm. because it's uncomfortable for us too. It throws us into, well, we don't know. Mm. Suddenly we're uncertain. And so what you're inviting people into is let's just journey. Let's not rush too quickly and see where this takes us. It's kind of like back to your walker. You know, or your or your canoe. Let's just see where this takes us, and journey together. Yeah, and you you have to be. I think the church has to be comfortable to set out on a journey and not know the destination. Yeah. <laughs> um, ask a question that they don't know the answer to. Mm. Yeah, certainly, it's my experience is that that there aren't many churches that are comfortable to do that because mm. it. Yeah, means you don't have control over things. You don't know where the journey is going to take you. Mm. Mm. There are churches out there that are very outwardly opposed. I'm not saying necessarily within the Baptist area, but, you know, there are voices out there that are very strongly opposed to the whole rainbow community. But then there's also a lot of churches that are just silent they don't know what to do, so they don't do anything. But 
I'd like to say that's quite hurtful. Mm. Both ways are quite hurtful for those that are in that situation, either if you identify as someone in the rainbow community or you're a family of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hurtful that it's just not addressed or, yeah, it's just silent. Mm. And I, meanwhile, I think there are lots of more and more in families that are having to face this. Mm. And then it's the big question for me is now, like I've got connections with all different people, a lot of people who've been very much in church and who are deconstructing, where do we belong now? Mm. I just don't know. Um, where is there a safe place to go? Um, uh, we can't find anything we, that, you know, we feel out on a limb and feel like people would feel we've fallen, you know, backslidden or whatever. And um, but where do we find um, community now? Mm. Mm. Because the, what's being served up is no longer enough it wasn't enough then really but now it's I can't align myself where I feel I don't I no longer feel comfortable in that space I've moved beyond that mm. um, so where do you go now <laughs> that's quite hard yeah really important question and that's you know, that's what you're sitting with right now. Isn't yeah, it? that is that is the that's and the place. Yeah, but it's funny because I'm making connections with people. Met someone yesterday, and you know, and going out for coffee with them, and it's like, oh, you know, like people are wondering. So I do feel like there's a move of God here. That there's something changing, but it takes a while sometimes yeah. for the wheels of the church to acknowledge that yeah mm-hmm. but i hope they do yeah in this sitting in this uncertainty is that part of the questions that you are now you know sitting with presently things that you can't answer mm. are you able to express some of that I mean, it's a tough that's, question. That's isn't it? quite a difficult one to know. Yeah, to know what you what you don't know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, personally, I've become comfortable not knowing stuff. I've become comfortable not having an answer, um, having grey areas, and knowing that that doesn't that doesn't negate my whole faith. Mm. It doesn't put that in my my faith in jeopardy. But yeah, I guess I guess that the I, I still I still think about how what what the church's response should be in this situation. I I don't know the answer to that, but I think we need to be working through it. But yeah, I don't have the answer. I'm not saying I think it should be this or something else. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm comfortable to not know the answer and to work through it. Mm. How have you approached the Bible differently since this has happened uh, within your family space? Well, we do look at it differently. I, 
I think it all started going back to that Nahiri talking about mm. creation. Yeah, that was that was quite a again a, another bit of an aha moment where on that podcast they they're talking about about truth and what truth is and it gets quite deep when they're talking about that and and kind of starts to go over my head a little bit but then they so I think it's Dr Andrew Shepherd as the the theologian who's on that and and he says well maybe the things like the creation story maybe it's not a story about how creation happened maybe it's actually supposed to be about why creation happened <laughs> and and that yeah again made me think start to think differently about the bible and how we've been interpreting it and so yeah i think i think my my interpretation of of the bible has become wider or certainly open to the possibilities that that it, it could be interpreted quite differently to the way it has been mm. traditionally i guess from from my faith experience anyway mm. yeah mm. and that it's pointing to meaning and passing on meaning which is a different question isn't it mm. yeah and and just because it's interpreted differently doesn't doesn't make it any less meaningful yes <laughs> it doesn't you know i guess i was of the from the old tradition that if you if you take part of it away then then it, it waters down the meaning of everything or you've got to throw it all away and but now i'm comfortable with the fact that no, it doesn't mean that and it doesn't lessen it doesn't lessen the bible it doesn't lessen what it means it doesn't lessen the doesn't doesn't cheapen god or mm. at all it's it's actually makes him bigger makes mm. him more wonderful than yeah than i thought he was that's good glad you answered that one <laughs> i think it's really important to start knowledge you know the bravery of telling such a vulnerable story hmm. and all that you've been through and the journey that you've been on and continue on and and yes continue on and so why is it so important for you for both of you to share this story why has it been important to take this step well my faith our faith is really important to us and um I guess we want to be heard as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to be heard in this space for all sorts of reasons. And I think one of the things I sit with now is, am I safe in this environment to talk about this? I also want to talk about it too, because there is a culture kind of war kind of brewing out there that puts our daughter right at the center of things. And I wonder if things did get bad, would would the church have our back? Mm. Also, love is more important than anything else, anything else. And I think that that rainbow community needs genuine love right now. Not love with clauses and small print and, you know, but love. I hate to see people excluded. 
even I think sometimes churches think well we're not excluding they're very welcome but they're not there (laughs) how do you make people feel welcome there's a whole lot of things and I just feel that we faith communities really need to face this because we don't want to be isolating people and I just don't feel that's the gospel yeah does that make sense Mm. you know I think it's important to to give our story because I I don't think we're the only ones within the church Mm. in fact we we know others within our own faith community and there must be quite a number of others out there as well and and possibly they're thinking what's going on is anything happening what does the church think about this has anyone else been through this you know maybe it it might help them to know that there are other people who have been through who are going on this journey and um yeah so Mm. yeah it's important to speak it out Mm. i also feel from a um we had to face the issue and like we couldn't sidestep it Mm. we couldn't dodge it we couldn't put it on the back burner until a more convenient time although we tried we had to face it and we had to work out our response Mm. and quickly Mm. because relationships depended upon it and we didn't have the luxury of going well hang on a second you know we had to do it and I think it's time for our faith communities to face the issue and there won't be a simple way through. It will require feeling uncomfortable, feeling vulnerable. It will involve conversations and it won't be easy, but what if it leads to a place of possibility? Mm. What if it leads to freedom? What if it leads to more abundant opportunities to love people what if it leads into a whole new expansive faith Mm. oh doesn't that sound good i know many are reluctant to face it because they're fearful of what it might do but what if it actually opens things up Mm. bold statement i know <laughs> well as, as we are coming to the end of our our time i wonder you've got kind of, you have again you have touched on some of these already but are there, are there some some specific ideas that you would have that you could encourage faith communities to take some steps what would some practical tips be from your experience that you would suggest for churches as as we consider the changes ahead that are possible mm. i think being prepared to sit with people mm. and not fix it Mm. and be prepared to feel uncomfortable but go there anyway because vulnerability isn't a bad thing yeah Mm. it can actually lead to growth Mm. i don't know one of the thoughts you've had was about welcome and what does welcome Mm. truly mean so it's great for our churches to say everyone is welcome, but what does welcome look like? And is it the same for everybody or would it be different for different people? And 
if we're going to explore this area, then yeah, what would welcome truly look like for the, the rainbow community? Mm. And I'd probably just add in something there that during our whole journey, before COVID started, I started listening to the podcasts of our previous Baptist church in England. And as it turned out, they began a journey through this whole area over a two-year period and have become an affirming church. Hmm. And we've watched that from a distance online and how they've done that. And I feel it was done very respectfully and it's given us real hope that there is a way to do it. Yeah. Encouraging. Yeah. We just want to thank you guys for, again, the courage to come here and to tell your story. And I can tell you, for Stephen and I, listening to this, it's actually been our honour to hear and the gift that you've given us. And because you've been prepared to do the hard work, the insight that you've brought Mm -hmm. is so much for us to reflect on. So thank you for taking us and giving us a little window, a snapshot of where you've been and where you're going, even though you don't know where that's going to take you. You are trusting the process. Mm. That love always wins out. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast. If that resonated with you, or you've got thoughts about the Changes Ahead for the church, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch on Instagram or Facebook at Changes Aheadcast or email us at the Changes Ahead podcast at gmail.com. See you next time.